0: receive in Jesus Christ. We give you thanks and praise in his holy name. Amen. Yeah. Please be seated. Let's see if you remember this. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen, Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I believe it. Yeah, so this morning at uh, 6.30, we came in here for sunrise service, and David started his sermon off by going, Merry Christmas. (laughs) And they all kind of looked at him, and he said, April Fools! (laughs) And about half of them got it because, you know, it's 6.30 a.m. It's it's really not a good time to be telling jokes, you know? I mean, people don't pick up on it too quick. You know, this this is one of those unusual kind, and we have April Fools, and we have... Easter on on the same Sunday, and when we were going through worship planning and we're talking about that, that, I started thinking about, how often does that happen? Now, now, Easter is set on the solar calendar, the old Roman calendar, on April, I mean, uh, April Fool's on April 1st, whereas Easter is set by a confluence between the lunar calendar and the solar calendar, which means they don't really have a very predictable kind of way. You know, it's not like every so many years and so forth. I mean, it's kind of random appearing. Uh, what happens is in every century, there's about four or five years Where those two will line up and sometimes they're all within oh I don't know 10 or 12 years of each other and sometimes they're spread out across the whole century. It's just kind of weird the way it happens but what does happen is every time you get April fools and Easter falling together you get people doing some really weird things. So I'm like, you know, what kind of, you know, what kind of April Fool stuff did you want? to eat? So, so, you know, there, there's this, this, this guy, he, he's engaged, and so he has this great idea. It's April Fool's, and it's on Easter. So he takes one of the eggs from her basket, and he, and he knocks the end of the egg off, and he scoops all the boiled egg out of the middle of it, and he puts a live mouse in the egg and covers the hole with plaster of Paris and puts it back in her basket. So she gets her basket, and she cracks the egg open. The mouse jumps out, runs across her. She passes out. And the engagement's over. And then there were parents who had this brilliant idea. So they were having some kids over their house for an Easter egg hunt on Easter afternoon. So they got a bunch of those Cadbury eggs, right? And they cut a hole in the end of them and they sucked all that cream filling out. And they filled them with hot mustard and put the chocolate back on and melted it in place. And then put it out for all the kids. Oh, that's a good party, right? (laughs) Woo-hoo. Why are they all screaming and crying? Right? Traumatized young children. Speak, traumatized young children. They're the parents that go to the store and they buy one of these bags of those uh, multicolored jelly bean kind of eggs kind of things. They take that, and, and, and on Easter morning, they cut the bag open, they pour it in the toilet, and then they bring their kids and they go, Oh, gee, kids, we're sorry. The bunny wasn't feeling good today. <laughs> you people are sick. I am so thankful that wasn't my parents. I mean, just just scar you for life, you know? It's just awful. So in 1866, when April Fool's and Easter fell on the same day, uh, a woman in in England decided to have some fun and play a prank, practical joke on the city. And so she sold a bunch of tickets to the, quote, parade of animals to take place at 3 o'clock on Easter Sunday afternoon at the London Zoo. And, and, and so she went out in the street and she sold hundreds, hundreds of these tickets. Now, now, keep in mind, she sold them for one-sixth of the usual price of a zoo ticket. The London Zoo never discounts their tickets. Somebody should have been suspicious. Keep in mind that it was on a Sunday, and the London Zoo at that time was never open on Sundays. Keep in mind it was Easter Sunday. They were never going to be open on Easter Sunday. And the animals were going to be paraded through the crowd when it was a strict rule of the London Zoo that when people were visiting, no animals were taken out of the enclosure. But nonetheless, hundreds of people brought the tickets. They showed up at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Easter Sunday at the London Zoo. The guards at the zoo said, what are you all doing here? And they said, well, we're here for the parade of animals. And they said, we don't know what you're talking about. And they said, well, we have all our tickets. See, here's our tickets. And the guard says, you know, I think somebody's played an April Fool's prank on you. And then they had to call in extra police to control the riot. I'm serious. They really did. They had to call extra cops in to control the riot because people were so mad. And I I was thinking about that. I mean, surely they should have known that, you know, if you're paying one instead of six pence to get your tickets, and you're doing something on a day when the zoo is closed that they never do and that they don't allow, surely somebody should have thought, you know, I think somebody's having us on about this. But they were so desperate to see the animals that they believed it anyway. And so do we come to church on Easter Sunday hoping that it's true, so desperate to believe that it's true, and yet battling our own doubts to believe that it's true? Let's pray. Mighty God, shine the light of your presence into the midst of us. Uh, Open us up to the truth of your word. And let the words of my mouth, let the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Because you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Paul writes to the church in Corinth as he comes in preaching the gospel. And he says, For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise And the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who's wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has God, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. And God's weakness is stronger than human strength. I mean, he came in preaching the gospel that this Christ had been crucified and that this was indeed the risen Messiah. And to the Romans, that just sounded like nonsense. You know, we we think of the cross now, you know, as as this kind of beautiful kind of image we have, some of us in our minds, you know, where it's on top of our buildings, and some of us wear it in jewelry, and we fix it all up, and it's pretty, and it's nice, and there's a wood one in the back wall of the the chancel area up here, And, and so we have that nice, neat, clean, pretty image. But the truth of the matter is, when Paul's writing this letter, the cross is an instrument of execution. It's not anything pretty, it's something horrific. It's set outside the gates of the city where people pass by, so they'll be sure and see what happens there. And it's reserved for the worst of the worst. Most of the people that are crucified are beaten or whipped before they're put up on the cross. They're nailed up, hung out there in the elements, and left to die. And people walk by them as they come in and out of the city and see them hanging there, bleeding and suffering until the point that they become so weak from exposure and from lack of anything to eat and drink and from loss of blood that they can no longer pull themselves up with their arms or push themselves up with their legs, and the weight of their own body suffocates them. And as they are gasping their last breaths, people are walking by. And then after they die, the Romans used to like to leave them there for a while so that the animals could scavenge on them. So Paul comes preaching and says, listen, this this Jesus you crucified is the Messiah. And to the Romans, that made no sense. Because unlike us, they didn't have this image of a nice, clean, neat cross. This is what they saw. Death and destruction. Because that is the wisdom of the world and that's the strength of the world. The wisdom of Rome was the might of the empire. And to spread the might of the empire. And the strength of Rome was the strength of force and of coercion. And for them, when they heard about Christ on the cross, to the Romans it meant they'd won. They'd won, and Jesus was dead. And all the rest of this talk is just nonsense. Because dead people don't come back. See, that's that's the wisdom of the world, isn't it? (laughs) The wisdom of the world, dead people don't come back. That's the way the world understands it that's the strength of the world, the the strength of death and destruction. That's the power the world has. I mean, you know, if if we're trying to spread our empire and we're trying to spread our influence, the way we do that is by making people do things the way we want them to do. And if they don't do that, then we can have a fine and we can take away their money. And if that doesn't work, then maybe we can take away some of their rights and make them second-class citizens and put them in slums and ghettos. And if that doesn't work, we can take away their freedom and we can put them in prison. And if that doesn't work, we can beat them. And if that doesn't work, we can whip them and if that doesn't work we can kill them and the threat of death is the greatest threat the world holds think about it the thing that the people fear the most is physical suffering and death That's the power of the world. And and it doesn't matter whether it's exercised at the the muzzle of a gun or a, a bomb on your doorstep or by lethal injection or by a poisonous cloud of gas or by a nuclear warhead. That's the might of the world. And the wisdom of the world says, when you're dead, you're dead. And so Paul comes preaching what sounds like foolishness because the foolishness of God says... There's always hope. The foolishness of God says there can always be life. The foolishness of God said there's always another chance. And the weakness of God, the weakness of God causes galaxies to burst forth into life. I mean, when when the world speaks the word to enforce its will, armies march. That's how we do it and 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 all honestly there's times that that's the appropriate thing to do because that's a shielding against an even greater act of destruction be honest the other week when they finally caught up with the bomber we all breathed a huge sigh of relief that may not have been the way you wanted things to end but we all wanted it to end When the world speaks the word, armies march. When God speaks the word, creation begins. When the word of God goes out, life bursts forth. When the word of God goes out, relationships are healed. When the word of God goes out, addicts go into recovery. When the word of God goes out, new things happen. When the word of God goes out, hope is born. And when Paul came into Rome, the Romans couldn't get it because the wisdom of the world doesn't recognize it. And the power of the world couldn't do it. And if you think it's changed... Just remember every year at Easter time when we have those articles that appear in our, our newspapers about, about the crucifixion and the resurrection and and people arguing and, and discussing about that and folks will say, no, oh, that, that just you know, it's, it's just wishful thinking that can't really happen. I mean, you know People don't come back from the dead. I mean, surely he didn't really die on the cross. That's called the swoon theory, by the way. He just kind of passed out and they thought he was dead, but he really wasn't. Except the problem with that is that the Romans who executed him were professionals. This is what they did day in, day out. They knew their business and they knew that if they took someone down off the cross before they died, they were going to take that person's place on the cross next. There's not a single recorded incident of a failed crucifixion. Okay, so if he died, then maybe somebody actually came and took the body out of the tomb and they made up all this stuff about him rising up from the dead, except that the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes went to Pilate and they said, we're afraid somebody might steal the body from the tomb, so, so post an extra guard out there. And Pilate put extra guards at the tomb to make sure that that didn't happen. And if it had of, you can be sure that when all the rumors begin to circulate about him having risen from the dead, that somebody would have come forth. Some Roman guard would have spoken up. Some Pharisee would have spoken up. Some scribe would have said, surely they have stolen the body. And yet there's not one peep, not one rumor mentioned anywhere in any history. And the people of the church, the people of the church in the weeks (laughs) following this they met the risen Christ not one or two but some 500 of them scattered across the Middle East there was no mass hallucination because there was no mass media or mass communication they were always stunned when they gathered together and found that somebody else had also seen him the truth of the matter is (laughs) The truth of the matter is, the gospel tells the story the way it happened. So the women went to the tomb. First day of the week was dawning. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and and suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has been raised as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he's been raised from the dead. And indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. With fear and great joy. The women came to the tomb that morning, not expecting to find him risen. They came to the tomb to finish the burial preparations. They'd been interrupted by the coming of the Sabbath. And so they were coming back to finish that work because in the wisdom of the world, the dead don't come back. And they came to the tomb, and they found that instead of needing to find somebody to roll the stone back, that it had already been rolled away from the doorway. And when they went inside the tomb, they found that the body was not there. And and all of a sudden, they began to understand that, that God had done something that no one could do. That, that, that the foolishness of God actually was greater than all the wisdom of the world and that God could do something that the wisdom of the world says you can't do. That the, the weakness of God, the love of God, the grace of God was able to do something that the powers of this world could not do. And they understood that this tomb, this, this place of death had become a place of new birth. They came doubting. So if you came doubting, know that you're in good company with disciples across the centuries. And when they walked into the tomb, Satan was already there, because he had come that morning to gloat over the body of Jesus Christ and to celebrate his great victory, except that when he got there, he also found that Christ was no longer there. And all of a sudden, the magnitude of his defeat became real, and he knew that the only way for him to survive was to sow doubt. And so from that time on, he whispered in their ears, ah, April Fool's? He's really still dead. And maybe he whispered in your ear this morning. And if he did, (laughs) no, (laughs) you're in good company with all the disciples. But here's the truth. On this morning, the foolishness of God and the weakness of God turned the tomb into a place of new life because Christ is risen. What? On this morning, the foolishness and the weakness of God turned an instrument of torture into a sign of victory because Christ is risen. Christ is risen. On this morning, the foolishness and the weakness of God turned darkness into the brightness of day because Christ is risen. Christ is risen. On this morning, the foolishness and the weakness of God took our morning and turned it into joy because Christ is risen. On this morning the foolishness of God took our sin and turned it into righteousness because Christ is risen. risen. On this morning the foolishness and the weakness of God took our bondage and set us free because Christ Christ is risen. On this morning the foolishness and the weakness of God took our gone forever and turned it into our here forever because Christ is risen. On this morning, the foolishness and the weakness of God took the dust of our death and turned it into glory because Christ is risen. risen. On this morning, the foolishness and the weakness of God took our death and turned it to life because Christ Christ is risen. This Sunday, April 1, 2018, April Fool's Day, I'm here to proclaim that the truth is that God raised Christ up from the dead. And that's not an April Fool's joke, and I'm no April Fool. But I might be God's fool this morning. And if you believe it, you might also be God's fool this morning. Because we go out to proclaim to the world that Christ has risen, that the, the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of the world, and the weakness of God has overcome the might of the world. And if you're willing to be a fool with me today, I want you to stand up and proclaim the foolishness of the gospel. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen risen. risen indeed. indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I believe it. it. Amen. Brothers and sisters, if you want to know...